0: Hello, my friend. This is Heather. This is the Back to Me podcast. And this week's amazing celebrity, first of all, happy almost end of the year, but this week's amazing celebrity is Isabel Griffith. And you will be able to tell from the conversation that we could have kept talking and talking and talking. We were having such a great conversation. And we're talking about uh, embodied feminine leadership, but really what we're talking about is what it means to be okay and solid as you as a person and how that can actually ripple outwards and create everything that you want in the world. Have a listen and absolutely let me know what you think. Take care, my friend. Have a good day. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is Heather, and I am super excited that you're here. You are going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas to help you live your happiest and healthiest self. I call it Back to Me because when you are taking care of yourself, Back to Me, then you can take better care of others, and we can all make the world a better place. This is Wellness Your Way, and I am super happy that you're here. hello my friend how are you i hope you're having an outstanding day uh 2022 is winding down hard to believe but there it is it it happens to everybody and this is another amazing celebrity chat with an awesome human being so we're gonna close out the year with an amazing human isabel griffith and we are going to talk about some pretty awesome stuff today it says Embodied Feminine Leadership in the notes, but I'm sure it will go all over the place. So mm. welcome,
1: Isabella. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Heather. I've been really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yes, I know.
1: We, had, we always have
0: an a early conversation to make sure that we are on the same page, and then I can't wait <laughs> to reconnect with all of these people. It's so great. So you are so it's so interesting your um program so i wanted you to talk well first let's talk about how did you find your way into this um this program that you're offering or this this kind of concept
1: Hmm. yeah um (laughs) I think, so I before I did the work that I do, so I'm an emotional resilience and embodied uh, feminine leadership coach and facilitator, but and before I did this, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, and you, you might, you know, I think as the conversation goes, you might understand more about why I really want to mention both, because to me, these two go hand in hand, but let's see how things unfold. All um, right but before i got to this work i was in the corporate world for over 20 years and at some point during that time you know i was um, i was managing large teams um people located in southeast asia in the us i myself am in london in europe and so i was feeling spread very thinly Um, i was juggling having young children with you know, managing my work life and having the impact that I wanted to have at work. And at some point, to cut a long story short, I ended up burning out. And I think to really illustrate that journey, maybe it helps to take us back to that moment in time for me where... It was probably, you know, we. I think most of us have this pit moment. And for me, that pit moment was sitting on the little bench outside my house on a weekday. It was a beautiful autumn day, and um, our, our house is a cul-de-sac. So it's very, um, our road is a cul-de-sac. It's very quiet, and I'm sure that I looked as the perfect picture of serenity. I was drinking a cup of tea, sitting there by myself. Anyone passing by would have thought, oh, what a lovely thing to do. <laughs> but actually what was happening for me at that time was as far from that as you can imagine my mind felt like a prison that I couldn't escape from it was filled with harsh critical judgmental thoughts um, I felt uh, more anxious that I ever been before, to the point where just functioning through the day felt difficult. Um, You know, I would go to the post office and be told that they'd run out of stems. And that was enough to send me on a downward (laughs) emotional spiral for the rest of the day, which is really, you know, you're no longer in this sort of high functioning anxiety there. You're really no longer functioning very well. Um, And I was exhausted, numb. you know, I was encountering all sorts of things during my day that I thought that should make me happy, but I couldn't really feel anything. And I was looking at my life and thinking I've been ticking all the boxes for how to be happy, and yet here I am on this bench feeling broken feeling flawed and wondering how do i move forward because if ticking all these boxes has led me to where i am now what's the way forward really you know how do you move from what you thought was the perfect recipe or the perfect blueprint and so the you know the following few years was really a um, journey of putting myself back together, um, myself personally, my life. And that has led me at the time to really lean into yoga, which I know you also teach. That then led me to mindfulness. And those two modalities were so critical to my recovery, really fundamental. And so I trained as a yoga teacher and then a mindfulness and self-compassion practitioner. And from there, I, I then started to learn various modalities of coaching because I would have people coming to me in my yoga classes and you know pouring their hearts out and saying can you help because as you might know when we start moving into the body these emotions sometimes get released and and they might come up and so I felt ill-equipped and so I would say my journey has been quite organic really moving from one thing to the next and really uncovering more and more and and now, most recently, I've really been delving into embodiment and somatics. So this is where I am today. And really, what I'm passionate about is helping women who are where I was all those years ago, feeling stressed, feeling anxious, feeling overwhelmed, you know, trying to juggle all the things, deprioritizing their self-care and feeling like they're slowly becoming more and more extinguished and allowing them to return home to their bodies, to reconnect with themselves, what gives them joy, and to have the impact that they want to have within their families, within their communities, their workplaces, but without having to sacrificing the whole of who they are, which is what often society teaches us to do, particularly as women. And, and it's so true, it's,
0: we, we have had very similar, right, we yes. both, We've both hit the wall in corporate and t- turned to yoga. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's so interesting. Like, I mean, the similarities between the people, like having experienced it myself, is like you are doing all the things that they tell you are the things that you need to be doing to have success, you know, the in quotation marks success. And when you get there and you realize, oh, this isn't what it was supposed to feel like or this isn't good i mean my my lowest day was the day that i was driving home and i drove through a red light and i didn't know mm-hmm. until there was a pedestrian in front of me and i was yelling at the pedestrian and i looked up and i was like oh my god my light is red i should have died like I probably would have hit the pedestrian, but because of the intersection I was in, I should have been, I should have been hit <laughs> driving through this red light. But thankfully I, I didn't hit anyone and they didn't hit me. But it was a very much a this isn't the way the world is supposed to be if you're happy and successful. Right? Mm-hmm. The mm. external the ex- external trappings of success are not always the internal. Su- they don't tell you what the internal, how to feel success internally. So how Absolutely. long, yeah, how long do you, because some people will think, oh, I'll just do this and I'll feel better. But it takes a while to come back, doesn't it?
1: How long did you find that it took you to find <laughs> That's your way? a really good question. It took me quite some time, you know. And it's, I think what's important to focus on, and, and it was for me, is really those moments where you feel, at ease, where you feel good, where you feel at home in yourself and in your body, and just following them like breadcrumbs and knowing that, you know, maybe for the first few weeks or months that might happen for a couple of hours a week maybe one but then it it kind of grows organically and it's really a process of trusting ourselves trusting our bodies and trusting the path so for me when i started this recovery process the only moment in my week where i felt at ease with myself and i could be myself and that was enough and that was okay and i didn't feel completely flawed or broken was when i was on my yoga mat and it felt like that, you know, perhaps the yoga mat itself, that object was really an anchor to step on and to say, here, I'm enough. And so for me, it was that one hour a week to begin with. And, you know, the rest of the time was was pretty hard. But I think you follow that spark and you start to, you know, build a little bit more resilience. Every time you step on your mat, you start to feel a little bit more ease and little by little, your whole system your body your mind your heart orient towards more calm more grounding and um, and then that ease becomes more natural so it's really this process of creating new neural pathways you know uh, rewiring your brain to experience life differently and to sense safety in your body because ultimately burnout is um is a nervous system piece you know it's too little or too much for too long. And our nervous system has been in chronic stress for so long that eventually the body shuts down. And so we need to slowly, slowly signal that sense of safety back to our body and our system and and activate that parasympathetic nervous system to signal calm and come back to a place of ease. And to begin with, we're just changing our state in those moments. So to begin with, I was just feeling a little bit calmer a little bit more grounded on my yoga mat but that resourced me for the rest of the week you know and it took time for me to feel that sense of resourcing outside of the mat so i would say it probably it probably took me 3 years to be fully recovered and i don't think you ever forget that experience i mean it sounds like your experience of burnout was as severe as, as mine and that always stays your body you know it's imprinted somewhere in your body so i'm really conscious of this as i live so i would say yes i don't feel like i'm burnt out anymore and i'm also i live differently i'm really hyper aware of these early warning signs and i live very deliberately to never go back to that place because you know i think we, we need that scaffolding to hold us to be able to um, to sustain ourselves in a world that is forever on. You know, we need to find the off button within ourselves. And it's true. Um,
0: if we allow it, w- you could go and go and the it, the world would just ring you out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, I talked to a, a coach, uh, I think a couple of months ago called the NOPE coach. So she was in Australia about having those boundaries and like the saying no and being okay that you're saying no and it is true that you keep all those experiences and those memories especially intensely the ones that are intense and as you were as we were talking I was just thinking about conversations that I've had with clients not all of it has to be extreme burnout you can just need everyone just needs a place to be restful and to feel okay. And I've I've been talking to some clients who when I ask the question, what makes you happy? They don't know. Mm-hmm. Which I find so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking that yeah. you, you don't know anymore what makes you happy. So then it's trying to untangle, like come at it another way. Like, do you remember ever being happy? Can you touch that memory? and have that experience again and then patiently (laughs) patience we have to have patience Mm -hmm. which we don't have a lot of these days and being curious and open to letting letting it come back in Did you you find yourself impatient with yourself to come on let's get go type a personalities you know i can get these reports done in five days why can't i get this done
1: (laughs) Um, that, that being so true to me. I, I know you you know you were in finance. I was in audit, so I'm very yes. much spreadsheets, numbers, you know, I was very rational and I've almost run my life like that where things had to be a certain way. So yes, I think they I was see, I think what leads us to these moments where we think something has to change is Um, a desire for parts of us to disappear or, you know, for me, the tired part, the the part that was weak, the part that um, was not good enough, you know, I, I just wanted that part to go away. And so what leads us to creating change is, I think, often a desire to get rid of the unpleasant and what happens as we go through this journey is really a process of holding these parts with a lot of compassion and a lot of tenderness and a lot of love and you know understanding their motivations and their needs so yes at the beginning there's this impatience of you know. A B C D. You know what's the process (laughs) that it needs to. You know I need to get from A to B, and I need to do that as quickly as possible. And through the unpicking of all of this, I think we become much more patient with ourselves and with others. And and I think it's again as we become more patient with ourselves, more compassionate with ourselves, that ripples across everyone we touch so yes to the impatience to begin with and the fixing mindset of i need to fix myself just put me back together i almost don't care how or you know what will happen but i just need to pick my life back where it was and carry on and then you realize that that isn't going to be the case and 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 it wasn't sustainable to start with no of course not of course not you know i i often talk and you you've alluded to this about three key characteristics, I guess, of our society, as you were talking about women feeling disconnected from their own happiness or what gives them joy, what they even want. And I talk about it being thinking-oriented, so we always in our heads and we overvalue cognitive processes, you know, the evaluating, the strategic thinking, the analyzing, all of the things that we've been used to that working that's in, what in we're taught to before. do.
0: Absolutely. You're rewarded and, for that, and you're taught that, and that's the way the world works.
1: Absolutely. And if you think and, of young children, you know, they're in kindergarten, and it's all about play and really being in their bodies and feeling. And then little by little, we kind of chip away at that until the point where you become an adult, you work in the corporate world, and suddenly you. You detach from your feeling body, from the sensations, because we appear and we think our way through life rather than being engaged within it. And then we wonder, why does it feel so dry? Why does it lack richness? Um, The other piece is really it's doing-focused or doing-oriented, where we are valued most, when we're productive, when we create, when we're efficient. And if we... You know, if we feel tired or exhausted and we think I just can't be doing more, I'm just exhausted, then rather than questioning that, that model of being, we question ourselves and then we go on this quest of I need to be fixed, I need to be doing more, how can I be more productive? Um, and then we're outwardly oriented and we're constantly distracted. We're distracted by our phones. We're distracted by the media that comes at us all the time. Many of us are either people pleasers, so we just seek, and you alluded to that earlier, that validation from the outside mm-hmm. to feel good. You know, we want to be helpful and it comes from a really beautiful place. But we are willing to give even when we are empty or with a strong one which also was really part of my narrative and I'm the strong one, you know, I just hold everything and everyone together. But underneath all of that, I'm crumbling. And so when we think about those three pieces, it's no wonder that when we're thinking, when we're constantly doing and when we're outwardly focused, we forget to be in ourselves, you know, everything goes outwardly or up. So we forget our body and if we are not in tune with our bodies, we're not in tune with our emotions, with our feelings, with the sensations. You know, if you think of eating a beautiful meal, it's like these flavors in your mouth and the sensations that the food gives you. We we can't really be fully attuned to that. And so over time, we sort of, we're very attuned to what everybody else needs, what our workplaces need, what we need, but we forget what we need or even who we are. Like for me, it was a case of, I don't recognize this person i i okay. don't know who i am right and
0: it's it's true that you you spend so much of your energy on everyone else and i because i'm also a massage therapist one of the things that i'll tell my clients is your body will tell you if you yeah. ask it and if you pay attention but if you're not listening the only vehicle it has to tell you anything is pain yeah and you know because people will say why does this hurt so much and I I try to kindly say to them it's been there a long time you just weren't
1: listening so it started shouting. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely that's so important because you know the body is always talking but we hear it like a a distant radio in the background and we're not really paying attention until there's an illness or a diagnosis or a burnout you know there's 12 stages to burnout it's 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 a it's a process of slow erosion And yet often we wake up when we're at stage nine or 10. So there's opportunities to kind of sense something isn't quite right. And I think that's part of what we develop once we've been there is the sense, ooh, something isn't quite right. But because we're not tuned into our bodies, we don't hear those signals. We, you know, we we just don't sense it. And then we end up uh, ill or with, you know, pains as you said you end oh, up so far yeah. down that it's harder to get back yeah right and
0: and i will say that i know that yoga is not everyone's vehicle to come no. back to themselves we just you and i just happen to really like yoga <laughs> yeah. So, yeah and even when i say that to people i will say there are so many kinds of yoga and ways to practice mindful movement i mean these days I teach a yoga and fusion of Tai Chi that I mm-hmm. think is beautiful and flows so lovely. So there's always a way to find a way into your body. It's just being able yeah. to experiment and see yeah. what happens, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, it For me, it's not until years later that I was able to say, ah yoga was helpful to me and so supportive because I was in my body you know at the time I didn't know why but I thought this feels so good it feels like ah you know that exhale that I really needed but I couldn't articulate that until much later and I realized it was just being in our body but being with our body or starting to practice a little bit more of embodiment can also just be soothing touch you know self-holding or just touching our lips, placing hands on our heart. Um, my, you know, one of my clients was was saying to me, she went to the beach and put cream on her body. And that was a moment for her of just realizing I have a body, you know, and I don't mean that as a, oh, look, there's arms. I mean, that <laughs> as a, wow, I can feel my body. So it can be that, it can be taking a few deep breaths and really noticing the sensations of our breath in our body, it can be dancing, particularly um, sort of intuitive dance, five rhythms, all these kinds of just moving and not so much moving in the interest of movement, but moving in the interest of noticing how that feels. And and also maybe just allowing our body to move how we want it to move. So maybe there's tension in the neck. Oh, it would feel good to do this, you know, rather than being directed in our movement. So there's lots of a shaking is a great way of getting into the body. Cold water, so cold showers, because that really gives you a sensation. <laughs> Ooh, so there's it's a winter, ways. you want to take a
0: cold shower. Ah. Yeah,
1: I'm not really one for cold showers, if I'm <laughs> honest, because I feel the cold really badly. I, I've tried and I'll do it for five minutes. But, but you can see, you know, when you're in that shower and the cold water is sort of falling on your body, there's this moment of... <gasps> for me anyway where you you know and it is a stress response and so if you are able to notice and to breathe through it and to let it be you're really training your your body and your mind your, your brain your nervous system to better cope with stress because it's a small stress reaction so in you know, all these different ways, Tai Chi, I know, is, is is so powerful too. I think it's that sense of mindfulness is important, of being curious about how it feels. But it can take many different shapes. And one that I always suggest to my clients, which I think is really simple, is um, taking a pause three times a day, putting a reminder on your phone. And when the phone rings, taking a few breaths, really noticing the flow of the breath in the body and then asking ourselves, how am I feeling? How am I really feeling? Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Am I cold? You know, and what do I need? And just that is a good start to start saying, I'm going to pause and deliberately to, you know, I'm going to listen to that radio signal in the background. I'm going to tune into that rather than, all of this yeah
0: and um what is, is i think of a couple of things so when uh when i'm teaching yoga what m- my opening is we just are quiet for the beginning of the class and i always invite people to press pause on their day give themselves permission to press pause give themselves permission to be there and to turn on their inner eyeballs (laughs) so Mm, that they can, it's like visualizing turning on like the lights inside to see what's happening because, and if you practice it, I mean, the first, I imagine your clients when they first start, they sit there and it's hard to step away sometimes from what you're doing. I I always remind people that a pause doesn't mean, oh, it's time to check social media. You know (laughs) (laughs) oh I don't have to work for a few minutes I can go check my Instagram but when you do have that pause and you ask yourself I imagine that in the beginning sometimes there's no answer because you don't know the language
1: yeah yeah and not to be hard
0: on yourself for that
1: yes just keep asking yeah and self-compassion throughout you know we talked about patience before but self-compassion I think is the the key skill and the key um, piece to really nurture and cultivate and that's really difficult to start with because we often come from that place of judgment you know judgment for not keeping up judgment for being not good enough and and so on and so forth so the the self compassion is huge and you're right you know some of my clients when we start working together just just sitting and breathing for a few minutes is is too much they are so activated in their nervous system that that feels um really uncomfortable and so sometimes just a soothing touch is you know and really noticing the sensations is is a better way of regulating um, it's yeah it it really depends on on where we are and it's a, it's a journey as you said so it needs to be held tenderly I I had
0: a a yoga teacher who I was studying with, this was a long time ago, so it was probably like 18 years ago, who said that, and this was before we hit this place where there is all as much social, there was even even social media then, I don't think. I don't even think Facebook was around yet, but she said, she made a comment that we've created a society that is almost like Disneyland. And you need constant entertainment and stimulation. And it has to keep, it's like a drug. You need to keep upping it and upping it and upping it and upping it. And And you don't know how anymore to find a quiet space. No. And like, it sounds almost like for some of your clients, that quiet space is a stressful place. (laughs) Because they don't know how to be there. They don't know what to do with themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely that, absolutely that. And, and so it, this is also why it's starting really small, you know. And again, maybe it's taking that pose and, oh, I can feel my feet on the ground. And today that's enough and that's okay. Because, it, you know, when we've been dysregulated in our nervous system for so long and we've been through that erosion or even just chronic stress, it's not a hop back and there we are back where we started it's it's little hops and it's it's a path that takes a little bit longer and of course being still is really unfamiliar it only takes you know looking at what happens when we stand in a supermarket queue or at the doctor's surgery waiting for our turn the first instinct that most of us have is picking up our phone and Turning on the entertainment because we cannot bear the the feeling of being with ourselves. Because then we really have to acknowledge, oh, my neck hurts. Oh, I'm feeling anxious today. Or I have this, you know, thing going on later today, and that's quite stressful. Or I have this report, right? And so we have lost the ability to feel and to be with our emotions. And it's a skill we need to relearn. And that takes a little bit of time. And
0: processing emotions is not something we're necessarily born knowing how to do, right? And it it does take practice. But sometimes, sometimes I feel like we have this feeling like we should already know how to do everything. And we should be perfect. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Why don't
0: I know how to do this? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And it's interesting to just question where that comes from, you know, because, again, if we think about when we were younger, we didn't really question our ability to walk, you know, we fell down a million times. And then one day, our legs were strong enough to carry us for a few more steps. And, and then over time, again, there's this sense that we need to know everything that it, it should be. A part of the software that we installed that's installed within us and and it's that's you know almost growth mindset is something to cultivate too. the even though i don't know how i'm willing to explore i'm willing to be shown and that's a big mindset shift when we again we are valued and recognized on what we project on the outside you know the efficiency the perfectionism and all of these things it's It's, it takes being humble and vulnerable to recognize that sometimes we don't know and we, we need to learn new skills. So maybe, and this just came to
0: me just as you were talking. So I guess admitting you don't know something may make you feel powerless. So there's a power Mm -hmm. dynamic. So you telling someone that you don't know something gives them the power or you feel like it gives them the power because you've, you've, you've viewed the power as being outside of you something the power is something out there to be um, attained versus it's actually already in you you just don't know how to tap through that
1: yeah yeah and for me the bridge is curiosity right it's just learning to be curious learning to maybe not have the answer as as it's usually structured which is here's the question and 15 steps later here's the answer but to be curious about the process and to know that if we're curious we will get to i, I mean i'm almost reluctant to call it an answer but an understanding place- well yeah a place of understanding and clarity so it's not so much particularly when we start you know becoming more embodied it's not so much about finding the answer it's about can i be curious and it's about asking ourselves different questions so rather than saying um you know what's the world is this and that and the other what's going to happen it's about turning that Eyeball, as you called it, (laughs) and saying, Well, how can I resource myself to be able to cope with whatever happens on the outside? Instead of saying, You know, how can I deliver that presentation perfectly? it's turning back again and being curious about why is it important to me to deliver this perfectly what does the part of me that wants to deliver this perfectly need to feel safe in just being themselves so it's it's a curiosity and asking ourselves different questions that are maybe more heart based um and really i think that's you know partly the the way of of embodied feminine leadership is really returning to our bodies and becoming curious and and having, uh, sort of, I guess, orienting towards qualities that are not so much about control, about perfectionism, about fixing and finding answers, but it's more about compassion, it's more about curiosity, it's more about finding flow rather than being always on. It's um, It's adopting different ways of being, living, and leading, and it takes... A dismantling of all the conditioning that we're carrying in our bodies from, you know, the the society we live in, and a reclamation of the parts of us that we've ignored or pushed aside, um, you know, ignored their needs because we were orienting towards that success blueprint that you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as we start dismantling all that and reclaiming the parts of us that we've exiled, we, we start to reconnect to our desires and, and what gives us happiness. And we start to question the blueprint and say, does this work for me? If I'm at the end of my life looking back, what would a life well-lived look like? And to some extent, I think the pandemic has led us to asking ourselves more of these questions. And we then need to really have that courage and that care and commitment to make the changes that we need to make to live a life that feels true and meaningful to ourselves. And that takes a lot of courage because we are swimming upstream. Yes. Yeah. I um,
0: (laughs) am Oh, our recent podcast I did was, you know, bring a friend. (laughs) Mm. Because there are times when that kind of journey, when you decide to embark on a journey like that and you commit to it, there are going to be days that you think, what was I thinking? You know, can I go back? Because even though it wasn't a good place, you knew it. And you knew the rules there. When you go into somewhere where you're trying to change something that's also has its own kind of discomfort to it. So yeah. uh, finding a place uh, like, a, I, I mean, it's community or um, a support or, I mean, that's what, I mean, I see that a lot of, that's what coaching is, helping support someone as they're trying to change something. And I was thinking about, what was I thinking about? It's gone out of my head
1: that oh, thought it might, it might come back it but, might come back that's okay it I, happens to me it, all the time <laughs> it happens to me all the time as well so I'm very familiar with that <laughs> feeling um but I I think the the point you're making about community is really important um and I you know for myself I'm part of different communities and I'm I'm mentored as well because um because to keep that commitment and to to really keep that, that you know, that different way of being and, and living, we need to be surrounded with people who are on the same path to some extent. Now, I'm not suggesting that either we, you know, pack everything up and go live as a shepherdess <laughs> somewhere in the mountains, although that could be really nice so that we cut ties with all of our friends or communities. Absolutely not. What I'm suggesting is that being in community with people who are, sharing this worldview or, or desiring something different and are almost activists in their way of you know that reclamation and dismantling is really important to keep us marinating in that juice, let's say. Yes. Because otherwise it's so easy to, to, to kind of be sidetracked again by the current. You know, the current is constantly there, constantly taking us. And so it takes some anchoring, and we can anchor in ourselves, but anchoring in a community feels so supportive. So I think that's a huge piece. And a lot of our a lot of our
0: reactions and ways of being and conditioning are are just a habit. We've just formed a habit. And if you've ever tried to change a habit, like I don't know, trying to get off chocolate. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't fixed that. I haven't fixed it. It's not to be fixed. I haven't altered that habit yet, but it's changing a habit. You sometimes needs, yeah, have, have some help along the way to, to help you change some habits. And it does take that time to shift those things. And yeah. we've, we've reached a world of instant gratification where I can order something this afternoon and have it in my hands tomorrow from across the world like who knows even where it's going to come from it'll just plop onto my doorstep so we have we've in some ways we've forgotten how to wait how to be patient how to observe and this came to me about sitting in a doctor's office and waiting for your appointment and I don't remember if we talked about this in last year, last, yes, uh, 20, 2021, October, 2021, I had a stroke and mm. it affected my vision. So I couldn't see my phone and it was COVID. So I couldn't have any visitors. So I was alone with no escape <laughs> for four days mm. to sit with myself Luckily, I had been practicing it for years to sit with myself and be quiet and observe. Asking my body, are you okay? What do you need? How can I help you? (laughs) Those things. And some people will say to me, oh, I'm so, so terrible. You had a stroke. And I mean, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But oh my goodness, it was such a huge learning for me. And I came out of it with so much I just I mean I say the universe needed to kick me in the bum really Mm -hmm. hard without any permanent without a lot of permanent damage and that was how it chose to do it it's like she needs a wake-up call let's go boom Mm.
1: (laughs) what what would you say your biggest learning or insight was because that's you know that's a really significant experience that um one
0: is trust so I had to trust that i was in the right place when i first got there i was doing that typical thing no 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 just let me go home i'm fine because mm. i considered myself very healthy i am i am very healthy um, so it's that denial is no no i you're crazy you don't know what you're talking about but then i i somehow i stepped out of myself and i said what are you doing you're in one of the best medical facilities for what's happening to you which happens to be down the road for me these people are caring for you and they're being so kind to you even though you're acting like a crazy person so so stop arguing with them so it, it one of the biggest things was I learned to surrender to what was going on but it didn't mean I had to give up what I where I wanted to go so I ultimately knew I was going to be fully recovered, I was going to be back home, and I was going to continue my journey. But at that moment, I needed to stop fighting. So it was, just, it was like a big exhale. Okay. Yeah. And then I just sat quietly for you know three and a half days because they didn't have a bed in the ward, so I had to stay in the emergency room, and it was Halloween, and there was crazy things oh. happening around me. <laughs> So I was just very quiet and just, I turned on my observer and I just sat and breathed and rested and waited to see what else was going to (laughs) happen.
1: And what was the, the, because I think that's a really important point, you know, that surrender. And it's, again, it's, I think, part of this learning and this journey is the learning to surrender. How did that change your you know how you felt within yourself. Just you, that, when you that. do yeah, when you finally
0: have that recognition, it, it does feel like that big exhale and you can just feel everything turn down. Yeah. You know, that fighting is you your shoulders are up and you're clenched and stressed. And yeah. when you say okay, when you say okay, and you just all your stress goes. I mean, I yeah. still had a monster headache, but they had things to help me with that. And I just felt like I, it felt like I could just rest. Yeah. Right. And I can just rest here. I yeah. can just rest here and I'm fine. And there's yeah. nothing I need to be doing. Stop yeah. doing. This is not a doing time. No. <laughs> it was a big,
1: stop doing notification yeah but and again you know that that's i think it's such a you know an unfortunate and terrible event and a beautiful illustration of what we can do without passing through that in because i think a huge part of what creates that stress, that tension, the anxiety and maybe the burnout is being in resistance to what's happening and so badly wanting to control it because it helps us to feel safe, you know, to to know that we're in charge and learning to loosen our grip, as you were saying, you know, going from there to, ah, you know, even in our bodies, just doing this and that, it just feels entirely different. Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge part of what we need to learn. And you can't Um, control those situations. Of course you can't. (laughs) So you're just causing yourself problems trying to. (laughs) absolutely and it's all that, that secondary suffering in mindfulness you're probably familiar with the primary and the secondary suffering you know the primary suffering is I'm in pain I've suffered a stroke my body is in pain perhaps I'm not seeing well and all of these things are happening in my body and the secondary suffering is all these layers we add on top which is I don't want this to happen why me how did that happen you know I just need to get better soon and you know this pain is really for all the narrative that we add that gets us more and more and more like this and to be able to either through the body or through the mind or both say actually you know it is as it is and there is nothing I can do to change it so can I just be with myself through this moment and hold myself through it it's a huge skill it's a huge
0: yeah and I'm, I'm so grateful for all of the years of meditation that I practiced. But still, even with all of my years of meditation, I still did that reaction at the beginning until I had my moment where I could say, you know, the little voice in your head says, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had turned up the volume on that little voice, my radio in the background, so that it was allowed to step into the room and say, "Stop doing that."
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Sometimes I think we there's almost this kind of something pops up that we can't really explain. Is it a thought? Is it a sensation? But we know what it means, and it says. What are you doing <laughs> And it becomes an evidence at that moment. you know it's so obvious. oh, of course. but it it again, it just takes us going through a little bit of a journey to then go, oh, yeah, right. No yeah. point doing that. So yeah, I think that's a really beautiful lamp, um, beautiful learning from a painful experience. And
0: interestingly, yeah. this podcast became what it is now because of those four days because the one of the messages that I got was back to me <laughs> right right of course. yeah so yeah. then it was how do I do that how do I be back to me and help a broader community uh, and then I would say I know what to do
1: <laughs> I'll speak to them yes. yes and you know again if we go back to what we we're talking about at the beginning that's sort of outwardly focused you know there's this belief that being focused on ourselves is selfish and we feel guilty. And but actually I think everything, and that was what I learned through my experience as well, it all starts with you. And you have to have that resilience and inner stability within yourself and that real sense of self-sustaining and self-nurturing rather than self-depleting and inner bullying. And then that really ripples across your well-being, how you interact with other people. You know, when I talk about leadership, to me, it's really the way, our way of being is a way of leading. So you being stable within yourself, in your home base, you know, finding that home base of this feels like I'm at home. That changes every one of your interactions and you create a completely different impact in the world. I sometimes talk about the image of a dandelion. You know, you use this kind of dandelion and you blow on the, on the little, I don't know what they call little puff of bees. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then they kind of spread around and they move around in the air until they settle somewhere. And you, you don't know where they land, but wherever they touch, that's your impact. And, you know, you with your podcast you don't know who's listening, you don't know where it will land, but whoever is, is going to potentially get something that they that they just needed to hear. And just you being that way is, is having that beautiful impact. And I think that, to me, is leadership. Who am I being in the world? How am I showing up? You know, if my way of being is a way of leading... Am I leading in this way, in a way that I'm proud of? And I take leading very broadly, you know, being a parent is leading, being a yoga teacher or a teacher is leading, being in a community and, and creating gatherings is leading. D- talking to the you know, the barista at the coffee shop again, because it's it's through that resonance that we have with each other. So yeah, I think that's it, amazing, yes. That's yeah. true. Leading can be anything.
0: Yeah. It's just, I this, I see leading as just being, um, knowing in yourself who you are and, yeah. and being and showing that to the world, because yeah. it's true, you don't know who's seeing or experiencing, even just experiencing you could change something for them,
1: right? Absolutely. Maybe you could, you know, you were talking about your, the, the carers in the hospital, but and this is still true for me now too, but particularly when I was in that really uh, dark place. For me, going to get a coffee or, you know, going in a shop to get anything and having someone smile and acknowledge my presence or ask me a question or show the simplest act of kindness would just... That's the thing, would take me down a spiral. This would really fill my cup and make me feel seen and heard and acknowledged. And that went a long way. people wouldn't have realized. you know, I remember the one time I used to go to that coffee shop a lot and um, and the the barrister just gave me a free coffee. And I w- it was just you would have thought I'd won the lottery. It was just so impactful to me, you know, just the kindness of, of saying, you know what you always here there which to them you know a cup of coffee is not much and to me it changed my day so I think right it's, yeah those little touch points are so important yeah
0: it is and I I I want to remember so you are you have a program starting I like the name of it from chaos <laughs> to calm in January and when does the sign up start for it or is it already open
1: uh, so at the moment the wait list is open and i'll be opening the signups really soon so anyone who's interested can um, go to my website and take a look i'm sure you'll leave a link to it in the show notes um i can and- never remember
0: whether they're above or below or to the side but- i don't know <laughs> the show notes
1: um, will be somewhere in the vicinity <laughs> yes well it's isabelgriffith.co.uk forward slash chaos to calm if if um if anyone wants to go before the show notes are are visible Um, and it's really about finding that sense of calm stability within ourselves even if the world feels chaotic just the premise that we don't have to be tied to how the world is moving up and down and it's it's you know all that we talked about so coming within ourselves and really anchoring ourselves in our own resilience so that whatever happens in the world outside of us we have that inner stability and we feel able to cope so um, yes it's very heavily anchored in embodiment and um, and um, emotional resilience And, and you know to me there is a There is an arc to going from being burnt out, stressed, overwhelmed to being what I would call an embodied feminine leader. And that first piece is really building that embodied resilience that can hold us to then go out and be that dandelion and have that impact. So this program is really that first piece of how can I find that place of anchoring within me? You have to start at the beginning, right? You have to start at the beginning. You have to start somewhere
0: amazing so thank you so much by the way for all of this Mm -hmm. such an i feel like we could keep talking but i want to respect everyone's time you know it's one of those conversations we could just keep going and going and going but i want to thank you so much for bringing all of your wisdom and sharing your dandelion fluff with the
1: world. Oh, it's really my pleasure, Heather. Thank you so much for having yes, me. It was thank a you. really lovely conversation. Thank and I, I too wish we had ours, but um yeah, it was a lovely conversation. It I'll come over, over and visit. I'll
0: that come would over be lovely. Visit. I would love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Okay, my friend, if you want to pick up some of this dandelion fluff, check the show notes there are they are somewhere and definitely connect with isabel because i will tell you being in a place of calm just feels so much better once you get there thank you so much have an amazing day take care hi my friend thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast if you found it useful and you're like me and you like like helping others please feel free to share this just give it a like give it a comment if you found something useful in it there's a chance that someone else will find something useful as well also if you have any questions at all i can absolutely help and i would love to help you can email me at heather at prosperityflowcoaching.com if you want more of this awesome content You can follow me on Instagram, Heather Stewart Coaching. You can follow me on Facebook, Prosperity Flow Coaching. And I have a personal request. I want to help as many people as I can with these podcasts. And if you could give me a review, hopefully a good one. If you could share, if you could send this out into the world, I would truly appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing day. And I hope that you find your way to wellness by getting back to me. Take care, my friend.